Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. Brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. I'm Sky Cassidy. Today, we'll be talking with Jonathan Cornelius. I hope I said that right, Jonathan. He's the CEO. Excellent. CEO of Reelevate, and we're going to be talking about micro events. What's a micro event? I'm excited about this. I had an idea of what I thought a micro event was, and then we're going to have this episode and I did my minimal research and said, this is going to be way more fun than I thought. So Jonathan, for the listeners, oh, let's introduce you a little better. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Guy. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, so for the listeners, right off the bat, we'll get more into you and your company later. Throughout the episode, we're going to be talking plenty about your company because it's so closely related to this topic. But um, can you tell the listeners what a micro event really is? What does that mean when something's a micro event? Sure. Um, when people think of events, they usually think of these big expos with thousands of people. But what we're talking about here is really 100 people and under, or 50 people and under, or, or even just 10 or five people that are getting together for a purpose and trying to do something. I mean, the way that we describe micro events, it could be you bringing out your clients to dinner where there's five or six of you at dinner. It could be um, taking out your team where you have four or five employees underneath you and you want to do something together. Those are micro events. Um, and, and for the most part, we feel like that those have been neglected where the, the person that's planning those is on their own. There's no support structure other than knowing that you can go out to dinner or you can go to the bar. And so that's where we think that we can have a, a different spin on that. Right. So I guess in the past, micro events was the sales guy takes the people he's trying to sell out to a steak dinner. Maybe they go to a strip club afterward. They close the deal. <laughs> um, that was the 1960s uh, micro event, maybe. Um, yep. Now you say they were neglected, but what you guys do is, is online micro events. Is it purely online or, do, or are they uh, in person as well? Um, right now it's just online, but we're going to be piloting in person uh, this summer in Boston and then um, be rolling it out in multiple cities by the end of the year. So online micro events neglected, but then COVID hits. Was that a um, boom kind of for your business because every suddenly everybody's online. They got to figure out how to do this stuff. Was it a coincidence? Did you guys form uh, during um, this? Like how, do, how does yeah, this so all we, come together? Yeah, we've been doing this um, for about a year. Um, and so we, we started this in COVID, which is why it's all virtual. And really this was a pain point that, that I had as a manager. Um, I was the, this is now my, my fourth startup in the last three, we had a, hundreds of employees and we were always looking for ways to connect those. And those were always teams that were, were not always in the same place. And so as a manager, I had two choices. Either I just ignored the people that, that were remote or, or working from a different location, or we did these awkward happy hours or lunches where there was no centralized topic and we were just trying to talk. And so uh, we knew that there was a better way. And ultimately what you're trying to do with these events is, is to try to create deeper relationships. I mean, you gave the examples of the 1960s steak dinner and strip club and that stuff doesn't necessarily resonate as well anymore to kind of differentiate yourself um but doing something that's interesting and new and unique like doing a, a tour of pompeo virtually or a sushi and sake event with a client even though you're not sitting them next to them today facing them you're doing it through zoom and you're engaging all your other senses you can still develop those deeper relationships and that's what we're, we're, we're doing with with reelevate yeah, and I'm looking at your guys' site, and this is going to sound super promotional, so let's just say it is. <laughs> um, I'm seeing like murder mystery party, uh, trivia night, um, all kinds of like a game, uh, virtual team games, all online, all these, all these different things that you can say, hey, here's something you can do within your company as, you know, call it a team building, call it whatever you want, but here's something you can do in your company. Maybe you have really boring event uh, or meetings. And you want to do mm -hmm. a quick little thing to uh, make them suck less during the meeting or something like that. But then also on the client side. So internal company is one thing of interest. I'd like mm -hmm. to focus that that's okay. That exists, but I'd like to focus more. This is a marketing podcast. So focus more on the, the client event uh, interaction, if we can. Um, sure. so we're talking yeah. small events with you guys. We're talking online at the moment. They could be online or in person. I think one definition I, I looked up said that it was specifically an online event, uh, free live activities that take place online and last for about an hour. And I feel like that's a little bit too limiting. They don't, they don't have to be free, right? Um, 
No, I mean, right now we have, I mean, to talk about some of our most popular client engagement. And, and when we think about client engagement, usually there's two use cases. Usually it's engaging prospects, so potentially new clients or um, doing something with existing clients. And, and understanding the goal of that is, is important. In which case, I guess you don't want to charge them to come to the event. So that is free then. I, that's where the free part comes. You're not putting on an event yeah. where you're like... Pay, people pay to come to it and you're making money off that it's it is more for yeah. the interaction with the people one of our number one clients are, are actually field marketers that, that are the people that are tasked with supporting the sales teams for doing things like this our number one our most popular events are usually centered around wine or cocktails um, and so we have five to ten different wine options today and we're expanding that immensely as we continue to build this out. We also have things like if we want to move away from alcohol, chocolate tastings or cheese tastings or charcuterie board making. Um, and the hosts are all trained to understand um, and we help facilitate the goal of the event. So, so you don't want to, as the host, take up the whole hour talking about what you're doing. You want to create room for those relationships to happen and, and for people to be engaged. And we usually recommend, um, especially if you're doing it virtually on Zoom, that we don't have more than 12 people if you really want to interact with the people on the call. Otherwise, we've all been on that Zoom call where there's 25 people and you can't get a word in. And so once you move above 12 or 15 people, then it's more entertainment. And if you want to entertain your clients, we have a lot of options for that as well, where you have comedy shows and magicians. And so it really depends on what the goal is, would be as far as the recommendation of the different types of event. But for us, we one of the reasons why the field marketers really love working with us is it's not just the fact that they can come and browse a bunch of different options like they're shopping on Amazon and see what the prices are, see what the availability is, but then all of that post-booking, so getting out the invites, making sure that if, if we're shipping stuff to people, the shipments are arriving on time and that everyone's getting their packages, understanding if people enjoy the event. So what is happen happening post-booking of, of the event and making sure that we have that centralized management system that they can look into and say, you know what, the event that's going on Friday looked great. Everything's there. The event that's coming up, up in two weeks, shipments are going out next Tuesday. So we've organized all that information in an easily accessible uh, platform for them to see. Okay, that's great. That's great. And I guess with larger audiences, it looks like some of the types of things. And again, we're, we're going to be talking about your company a lot because it's just a great example. <laughs> but um, maybe if you're having something where there's a lot of back and forth, smaller audience, but when you do discover Pompeii with an archaeologist, you could have a hundred people on that call. You could. Yeah, you could. And it's really dependent on the goal of the event. And so that's what we've learned is what is your goal? Is it just to have entertainment and enjoyment? Are you celebrating something? Sure. Let's invite a hundred people and that everyone will have a great time. But if you really want to um, be able to talk to that individual and bond over whatever that experience is that, that you've chosen, um, having a much smaller group creates that intimate moment that you can really develop that deeper relationship. So I remember before COVID, I'd gone to a handful of these dinners where it's like, okay, Cisco, they have a restaurant and there's mm -hmm. maybe a couple dozen people and you come and have dinner. And then during dinner, they have some themselves and some partners giving pitches. Would that be kind of a type of micro event as well? It would be um, in the future. I mean, we, we see it even um, where it's going is, I mean, yeah, even speaking for myself, I mean, I was an executive for the past 12 years. I was pretty sick of the dinners at some point. So why, why not go go axe throwing or why not um, do something that is kind of very different than what you're normally doing. And I think that creates that memory in the people's minds where you're differentiating yourself amongst the competition where the competition is just either taking you to another sports box or another steak dinner. And so yeah. this is, this is what are you doing that's local and unique and different to really impress the clients that you're, you're, you're doing these with and, and it's not more expensive frankly in a lot of cases it's less expensive think about how expensive that dinner actually is yeah and i would say on the dinners i know there was at least one that i went to where it was like i've been working so much um and this is part probably part of the you know the allure for them i have no interest in this product but i could use a steak dinner tomorrow night <laughs> and uh, um i know there's going to be enough people there it's not a one-on-one -on -one that i can just kind of blend in and so you probably get a handful of those and you don't really get to connect with it. But like you said, ax throwing, if you take half a dozen people ax throwing, oh my God. And the steak dinner, I think I remember which brand that was that the one where I wasn't really, you know, mentally yeah. present or interested, but ax throwing, I would remember. And I suppose that's a part of these kind of things you want to remember either within your company, helping build culture or on the marketing side, you want them to remember your thing specifically you want to really connect with them 
And, and now that the world's been rewritten, I think that there's, it'll be interesting to see virtual's here to stay and, and hybrid's here to stay. And CFOs just cut uh, marketers and salespeople's budgets substantially because we were in COVID, no one could travel. They're not going to come back 100%. So how do you think about how do you engage your clients and augment or maybe you would go take them out to dinner two or three times a year. Maybe that moves to once and then you're doing something like this the other two times where you're still engaging them, but you're not having to fly across the country, stay in a hotel, and then take them out to dinner for, for your top client. You're, you're able to do this online. You're in your house or your office, and you can then wake up in the morning, feel refreshed because you didn't have to sit all night on the red eye and, and go back to work and do your thing. So or that's, to, to that's step- how people are starting to use us to step away a little bit from just what you guys do also in person. We're getting back to that. I mean, the, uh, Oh yeah. Still a micro event. You open the door to the financial side of things here. You mentioned CFO. I noticed you in the past, <laughs> your, your kind of uh, line to where you are has gone through being CFO, which mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of sense. I looked at it. I'm like, that's, that's not the typical um, way to get into the position that you're in. So, but then it directly connects, I think, to looking at these events for marketers. Some companies do them and it's almost a vanity project, but people nowadays really want to know there's an ROI at the end of it. Uh, so if you're looking to take out prospective clients or invite them to a specific type of thing or, or actual clients, um, how does the ROI, as, as a former CFO yourself, yeah. how do the, you make ROI out of these kind of events? I, I mean, I think that, let me give some background of, of myself and then I'll kind of answer the question that, that you asked. So, I mean, ROI is everything. I mean, the last three companies, we were all technology companies and I sat with the marketing team more than any other team because that, the, that was the key to success was if we could spend effectively, drive new customers and drive repeat purchase behavior. Without that, we had essentially nothing. And there's two types of CFOs. There's kind of the the CFO where, where they're really backwards looking and they're the accounting CFO. And then there's the strategic CFO that is looking forward and really trying to use the, the future looking information to understand what's working and what's not working and be partnering with marketing was always the key to success. And that's really how I grew up in the finance world was partnering with marketing, being their partner to understand what is driving the return and what is not driving the return. And then I've never heard a CFO connecting with marketing in that way. Like you said, it's usually an accounting type thing and it's about saving pennies. It seems like you were a CFO and you were coming from saying, I don't want to save a buck. I want to make $2. Well, we were in venture back companies and we had to go from, um, I'll talk about the Gromit, which was two companies ago. And I was a CFO (laughs) there for seven years. We had to go from a million dollars in revenue to $70 million in revenue in a very short period of time. And we weren't going to do that by by saving money, we were going to do that by spending effectively. Oh, and I think in um, venture, this has come up on the show before, your investors are not interested in you saving money. They want to know how fast you can spend it. Like it's spend I, they, to grow, well, spend to grow kind of. I mean, you have to spend it effectively. They, they don't right. want you to just spend it if you're not getting the return, which is goes to the ROI conversation. And the way that we look at ROI is ultimately what we're trying to do is really increase engagement. And then in the research that we've done, um, events are 24, 24% of a business's spend. Um, and half of that actually goes to planning. So one, we can reduce the amount of time spent planning events because we have this turnkey solution. But two, if you can engage your company and engage your employees, that leads to 20% higher revenue, 20% higher profit, and 10% higher uh, customer satisfaction. And so the goal here is to measure engagement. And we do that by what are people are going to steak dinners, we can, that's, that's a benchmark. And then we can compare that against what we are doing. And so let us help you do things like this. And then we'll measure the engagement of, um, of your clients. And then we'll in turn, see if that will convert deals. And that's how we measure it. And that's what we're providing in our, in our dashboard of did people like your events? If there's specific things that you want to measure, we can do that as well. Um, so the ROI is really important in the platform that, that we have, because we want to improve what you're doing already and show that impact of what these events can do for you and for your company. It occurs to me on the ROI equation, when you're doing micro events, you're spending less money because it's micro. So there's less risk on each individual one as well. So you're kind of, you're more targeted. You can spend more time with each, each individual person, but 
let's say you, if you botch a micro event, it's not like botching a convention or something like that. It's, um, you know, or not, maybe not say botch, but you don't get the results you wanted from that one. It's almost like you're getting this shotgun approach of mini bites at the apple. Totally. And that's where we think that you can, we can package this in a, in a solution that's much easier to book than say a large expo. But right now, the way that you book events is you still have to pick up the phone and call a vendor. You still have to, I mean, email them. You're haggling on price if you're trying to book something that's private and an event. Like, and it's all venue first. Well, you still have to do that with this. I mean, you got to reach out to Zoom. Um, you got to set up an account for $14 a month. There's a lot of work there in the venue. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't with us. I mean, we handle the oh, Zoom, good point. we handle the invites, we handle all that. So all you have to do is browse choose which one you want and then we take care of the rest and and, right. um, and we validate every one so we know quality is the, the utmost importance the last thing i would ever want to do is put my neck on the line if i was doing an event with somebody that was unvetted and unvalidated because you, you said it earlier you can have a bad one and that's not what you want we want to make sure every single one of these is a really positive experience oh right so um, if we go but, to um the magic and mind reading event i see here um you don't just ben? have a random person um, I, yeah, with Ben. No, that that's Ben. Ben's done about fifty different events for us at this point, and he is amazing. I don't want to ruin his act, but he uh, he does something <laughs> with social media that I I've seen it fifteen times, and I still have no idea how he does it. Um, awesome. Every time I'm like staring at the screen trying to like figure out what that tell is, and I can never <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So let's do a hypothetical and some nuts and bolts here. Sure. You've got, uh, say we want to put on an event for the podcast. Um, yep. And uh, so what are the steps we're going to go through? And then what does each thing involve? I mean, I want, I want to have a specific event we pick. Why? What's the cost going to be? How are we going to get people there? What happens before, during, after? Um, as quick as we can run through the whole shebang. So, I mean, it's really simple and it depends how self-service you want to be. I mean, I think, so if you come on our website and you can start browsing just like you're buying a product and, and on the website, you'll see a description of, and then images and videos of exactly what that event will look like. Um, the pricing per person is listed there. Um, and we'll, we'll basically you can submit when you want to do it. We'll have real-time availability um, in the next couple of weeks where you can actually see when this host is available. Um, and so ultimately, you can come and book something relatively quickly. And then from there, you as the organizer will then get a request form that fills out that asks you, what is the goal of the event? How many people do you want? As you're saying, what do you want to name the event? How do you want to brand the invites? And then we take that information, send out all the invites to the people that you want. We help you gather all the information, including emails and addresses if shipments need to go out. Um, you'll have access to our event portal where you can see where everything is. We send out the Zoom invite. We send out the invites. So wait, wait, wait. Let's step back for a second. So we went on, we picked an event, let's say. Let's say we pick, yep. uh, um, we want an event that's going to connect with our audience. Uh, our audience is B2B marketers. And we decide to choose a comedy event because we feel they'll like that. Um, so we Improv go on. Asylum. How about that one? Improv Asylum. Okay. So we go on, we choose this, uh, this event. And um, we set it up with you guys. And then you yep. say, you're talking about invites. Who do the yep. invites go out to? How do those people get selected? So part of that intake process is you let us know. There's two ways to have it work. One, if you already know who you want to invite, um, you can enter their email addresses right in our portal. And then we'll go out and collect their physical addresses for you if we're sending shipments in the case of uh, improv shipments don't need to go out. Um, so we would just need email addresses to then send um, an event invite to them to say, hi, you've been invited to Improv Asylum, Sky from um, Sky wants to include you here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we not only send out invites, but we also send out a reminder right before the event. And then post-event, we'll send out a, a survey to say, did you enjoy the event? Um, how, what did you think about think of it and get any feedback? Um, so okay. that's, that's kind of the invite process. That, so that typically they, the, the other way to work is though, is like we'll set up a landing page for you where if you are, you definitely don't know if those people want to come and you want to send people to a, a page to, to have them RSVP, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I imagine, I mean, some, if you're doing a wine tasting where you have to actually mail these people the wine, it's probably going to be a much more selective list of of already in the pipeline type people and maybe something like a comedy hour they could send out to general prospects. 
Um, we can do both. I think the one challenge is with shipments is you typically need longer lead times. Um, whereas, I mean, the shortest we can turn on around a wine tasting is usually a couple of days, but that requires expedited shipping. Right. Um, normally we ask for about two weeks just because if something doesn't get delivered, we want to have enough time to resend it and make sure that everybody has a great experience. You're taking um, yourself that, from low cost micro to high cost micro if you're not careful though. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we have price points at all different ranges. So the lowest price point event that we have starts around $12 a person and the highest price point um, goes all the way up to $2.50, um, depending on how extravagant you want to make it. Um, just like kind of anything else, like if you're doing different events physically, you would have a whole range of price points as well. And, and that's, that's what we're supporting. Excellent. Okay. And that's okay. So we've got the people invited you've sent the invites out maybe they go to a landing page and sign up maybe it's um that mechanism's all there and taken care of um and and let's just for the listeners run it parallel saying okay you can go to reelevate.com and do this but this is something that could be done in general for micro events as as well it isn't like it can only happen through reelevate i'm sure they do a good job but um (laughs) so but in this in this scenario we go to your site we pick a, a comedy um i think you said improv one and uh, which I recommend for all marketers. So that would be a g- perfect one for marketers. I love the connection there. I suppose the event really should not just be grab one. Oh, succulent planting and care. That would, I want to do that. Let's do that. But it should, for some reason, connect with your audience if you really want it to be successful. It, it does. And one thing that we've seen a lot of and, and, and what we encourage people to do is it's not always just about the um, the the kind of the, the piece that we're talking about norm a lot of people will actually do a webinar or do something where there's content of what they want to focus on from a marketing standpoint and then use this piece of entertainment as the hook and so come <laughs> listen to kind of our spiel for 45 minutes and then enjoy a comedy show right. um, and so that's how we've started to transition where i mean you brought up the steak dinner where i mean they, they entice you with the steak dinner but you got to listen to the 45 minutes of them talking about their product and so a lot of marketers are doing things like that with these micro events as well from a virtual sense where they, and, and one of the dirty secrets where everybody's like, it's going to go back to physical. A lot of the networking events and a lot of those were, especially in Boston where we have horrendous traffic, the attendance of a lot of these organizations was double what it was pre-pandemic because people could roll out of bed and be on Zoom at 7.30 in the morning and not have to get up at five and fight traffic for an hour. The networking and groups so, that I'm in that were these local, everybody goes and meets in a mm-hmm. you know a, a breakfast place or something like that, they have exploded since it went online because people are like, wait, I don't have to drive an hour across town and back to go to this thing with only six people. Now I can have a hundred people to network with. And uh, so, it, yeah, people say it's going to go back, but they're and they talk about Zoom fatigue. And I say bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it's so much harder to sit on my couch and be on Zoom than to drive across <laughs> town physically and slept back and forth and stuff like well, that. Like Zoom Zoom is so much easier and there are many benefits that are going to stay. Well, well, Zoom fatigue is real because the challenge, but, but what people aren't doing, which was something that we're trying to help with, is they're not engaging their other senses. When you go somewhere physically, you're engaging a lot of other senses. And if that's where, if you can do an event where it's through Zoom, but yet somebody's tasting something or somebody's smelling something. It feels very different. You no longer feel like you're locked in your basement right. by yourself on Zoom. You're like, okay, this is a fun event and I'm, I'm losing track of time and, and I'm enjoying myself and I'm meeting new people. And so those are the, those events are very different than, than just listening to content for two right. hours. The Zoom is almost like an augmented reality to what you're doing versus watching a movie or watching a presentation on a screen. It is. And there's some really cool, pla- I mean, Zoom is the, what everybody knows and uses, but there's a lot of really cool innovation <laughs> happening in the virtual platform space where I think that that will start to make it feel even less like just a, a static virtual engagement yeah. where you can walk around a room, you can network, you can do a lot of different stuff with a lot of these cool platforms that are coming out. I want to talk to Zoom and find out how much is it worth to a company for your name to become a verb? It's a lot. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, like you said, there's I use Zoom and not as in just Zoom. That's what we're on. And we were on it a couple of years before this all happened. But um, but I just use it to describe online. It doesn't matter if we're on a competitor's, it's like Kleenex. Like they may lose is. lose control of the brand because everybody just uses it uh, as this is what 
this thing. I don't know how they did that, but they did it. I mean, one of my favorite ones that's not Zoom is hop in. Um, but then sometimes certain clients have certain restrictions and, and our hosts are, are we're, we're platform agnostic. So we've used Microsoft Teams, we've used WebEx, we've used GoToMeeting, right. we've used Microsoft or we've used Google Hangouts. So we can support any system in that way. And, and but some are definitely better than others in, in, in the sense of really trying to create an engagement. I know how that. Zoom grabbed it and they were partially lucky, but it's because they, they were lucky in the timing of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we switched to Zoom a year or two before for the podcast because it was easier. Mm-hmm. All the other platforms made, if you're going to have somebody come on, you had to jump through so many hoops. You were going to have to get an account. Now you're going to have to log in. You're going to have to do all this stuff. Zoom was just like, no, click here, you're in. And everybody else made it really hard and their quality wasn't very good either. Zoom, yeah. and, and then we had these security issues. We're like, oh, people have figured out how to jump into meetings they're not supposed to be in. It's like, okay, yeah, those are a tiny issue, but they just, they made this thing to be super simple and user-friendly so that when your grandma wants to chat with you, she can figure out Zoom. I was going to bring that up. And that's a continual challenge that we have. And I'm sure marketers have is when you want to do something virtually, how do you overcome the technical issues of of the non-technical savvy people? And our best advice is to use Zoom because that seems to be the (laughs) platform that people know the best. Hopefully that changes in the future, or at least people become, um, or, or maybe Zoom rolls out new features that incorporate some of these other cool elements from other platforms. But, um, that would be my recommendation. And that's what we end up, we end up using Zoom 90% of the time. Hmm. The times where we don't use Zoom is because the client has some restriction around not being able to use Zoom. That's what they, they're partnered with Oracle and have to use, uh, <laughs> they're required to use someone else's platform, which the other platforms are great too. It's just simplicity. So anyway, moving that on to the events, simplicity for the event, probably, you don't want to set one of these events up and then talk about having everything go wrong. People can't log on because- you thought, hey, let's you know, let's use our old uh, video conferencing uh, setup or something like that. A hundred percent, and that's where um, I mean, we make sure that the hosts are vetted and validated. Just like if you were going to a steak dinner, you'd, you'd look at the restaurant reviews and make sure that they were a good restaurant. We we have that front and center. We validate every single one. So the trust of that is is really important to us, and I know it's really important to our customers as well. Um, can I sign up to be one of your validators? Because when you bring on a new wine tasting company, I want them to have to ship it to me and I test it, make sure everything's good. Uh, totally. <laughs> I'm actually at the bottom of the list. My, all of uh, all the people that I work with, they get the fun ones first. And then I, I get the, the interesting ones. Um, <laughs> like I did uh, I did drunk yoga the other day. That was with, with Eli, who's a, the You say drunk a yoga? Drunk yoga. So you get to do yoga while holding a glass of wine. Um, oh. And that was fun and interesting. Um, I actually won an award. I won the best twerker award in my, in my drunk yoga class. So <laughs> not that I think I'm a very good twerker, but um, I, I was able to w- accomplish that uh, in that session. And the last, the other one I, I, I did recently was uh, a drag queen bingo um, with, with Linda, um, which was, it, it's not your grandmother's bingo. It's much more entertainment than, I mean, you are playing bingo, but it's really, really, really entertaining. I don't want us like uh, kill the, the giveaway or, or be a spoiler or anything like that. But what makes drag queen bingo different from regular bingo? I mean, you're still playing bingo, but there's a tremendous amount of entertainment that's going along with it. There's, there's multiple personalities um, on screen. Um, and so it's much more of a game show with lots of lights and lots of, lots of entertainment. Um, I would highly recommend it. We, I did it for about an hour and a half and that flew by. So bingo and a show kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, great. So we've gotten through a lot of the stuff here. We did the, we, we f- found an event that really fit with our audience. Improv, mm-hmm. great for marketers. They need to know more about improv, um, fun to experience. We got people invited. They signed up. We have the event. It goes down. What other like marketing mechanisms in order to lead ultimately to ROI for this micro event? And I assume, mm-hmm. and let's say, just imagine we're doing this 10 times. So some events are going to yep. be massively successful, some less. It's micro. Um, what's the next step here? The event's ending. Are there any little keys people need to make sure they do so that they can capitalize on the event? Um, I mean, so one we do is we work with them on kind of what that post-event follow-up is as far as uh, did you enjoy the event? And if there's any other things that say the, the field marketer wants to know or the marketer wants to know, we can provide that information. We try to put that right into the centralized um, system so that information is readily available. I mean, ultimately for us, we, we see ourselves as kind of 
being that housing, but ultimately the responsibility of say the salesperson who's on that event to, to follow up with them um, right. and make sure that they're doing those things. So what we are working with them on and partnering is, are you seeing a better impact with our events than, than the, the other events that you were doing? And what is the ROI? Are you spending less? What is your budget? These are all the things that we ask upfront of like, what is your goal? How many participants? What is your budget? So we can properly align the, the event with the, the objectives that they want to accomplish. Right. So I feel like you want to be memorable with your event. Um, again, mm -hmm. a wine tasting, uh, if people are really into that, it might, I think some of these are more, let's go with something succulent plant care. I'm sure there's a B2B product out there where that's a hit, but that one right off the bat to me looks like, okay, that, that might be the more of the more boring ones, not so memorable. Um, mm -hmm. But then you get into some of these other ones, drag queen, bingo, that's going to be hard to forget the magic things. So you want to be memorable, also have a connection probably to the brand. So it isn't like me eating a steak and not knowing who paid for it. Yep. Um, and then that's a passive thing though. Okay. Be memorable. And you're hoping that they can remember you and then come to you. But then we're talking about the, um, the, I guess, aggressive side where you're just saying, not just be memorable, but then also remind them. And that would be the follow-up. Um, so is there any mechanisms in place? Um, I mean, ultimately at that point, we turn it back onto the, the company because that's not necessarily, we, we don't want to be the one continually pinging them around this. I mean, we, we have worked with companies with kind of different packages as far as let's plan out the next six months. So if you want to do something every month for six months, what, what is the sequence of different events? So you're not just doing a wine tasting every time you're doing something that's different and unique and entertaining. Right. Um, and I guess and I, I, I don't think that the one your company specifically, just generally to our marketing audience, oh. to step away from the infomercial, but um, I keep making oh, it I seem like an infomercial. I would, I would 100 percent follow up. I mean, right. I mean, really, ultimately, what you're doing is if it's if it's a prospect, you're, you're putting them in kind of a nurture campaign where you're trying to engage them. You're, you're, you're trying to get different levels of engagement and then feeding them more and more information about what you're doing. Mm. Um, if they're an existing customer, I mean, again, it depends on the goal. If you're rolling out new product features and you're trying to upsell them, I mean, this would be the opportunity to either try to bring that up and engage them and do different things. Or if it's just to say, thank you, I mean, then, then not making it salesy at all and just saying, Hey, go enjoy yourself, bring your family. In a lot of these cases, we do have people invite family members. We, we, I mean, usually you need to be upfront. That's a, a big learning that we had early on of specifically say, are people invited or not invited? Because otherwise you get this hodgepodge of kids in the background. Like improv is, is a little bit raunchy. I wouldn't say that anybody under the age of 14 should necessarily be a participant in that show. Right, right. Okay, so obviously follow up. I mean, it's a standard marketing sales overlap there. It seems with these events that there's a natural follow-up where, marketers are frequently looking for an excuse to reach out to people. But mm -hmm. if you just had an improv um, micro event and people come, and again, let's say you have 10 of these, then that, that really leads, it seems like to, or lends itself to a follow-up type where instead of sending an email saying, Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Now check out this, or here's our offer or something. You know, your email might say like, give me a place and an, and an object or something like, you know, whatever the, to, you can connect I, the event to the theme of the, the marketing with that person then. A hundred percent. And I think that um, as you get to kind of some of the smaller events that are more intimate, I mean, those are relationships that you establish during the event and, and continually leveraging that and knowing who went to what event and understanding that and putting that in your CRM and, and, so when you go do a follow-up call in, in six months, you can say, hey, remember that improv show that we went to? How funny was that? And, and that will start to really resonate with people if you can make that personal connection where it's not just another steak dinner. It's something that you did that was unique and different. I would um, kind of off the cuff here, but I would encourage people if you do a micro event because it's so much more personal to try to embed some sort of a trigger into the micro event. So some of them may have a natural trigger where if it's improv and your follow-up marketing campaign is kind of themed to that improv thing, where that's your, those are the puns you're using or, or whatever in your mm -hmm. follow-up. Um, but if you can build something into, whether it's a catchphrase or whatever, something to trigger the person memory to, to remember your brand and that event. Um, you know, it's like giving away a pen at a trade show. They see the pen, they see your brand on it. <laughs> A, a refrigerator magnet. Every time you go to the refrigerator, you see that. Um, we always thought, hey, what if we gave away Ke Keurig 
uh, coffee makers back when people were, were in offices. Um, and, uh, and then we sent them refillable, like send people the Keurig, um, the little Keurig pods every six months or something like that, but they'd have to be branded. Now, every time they drink coffee, like we own the coffee in their office, they can't not think of you every time they drink coffee because you are coffee. And, and I would say coming out of a product-based business, the, I mean, this is a generality, but the older, the older audience likes physical goods. The younger audience really likes experiences. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to tailor and shift to, to the, what, those younger audiences want. They don't necessarily want another tchotchke or another pen or another coffee maker. They're all about doing something unique and different. And so if you as a salesperson or the marketing team can enable that, that differentiates you out of your competition that's been sending them gifts and different things to try to gain their attention. So really ultimately what we're trying to empower is allowing you, the marketer, to stand out amongst your competition and create that unique relationship. Because if you can create that relationship and create that engagement, you can sell a whole lot more. Yeah. And uh, I mean, getting back to what I was really getting at was kind of trying to own a mind space with your audience. Yes. Where um, if you do drag queen bingo, I would imagine most people that go there, anytime they hear about bingo or drag queens in the future, they will <laughs> associate it to your brand. And I guess the point there is make sure in the event that your brand is somehow connected repeatedly so that people don't think associate it with doing a micro event. Oh yeah. I went to this micro event. It was drag queen bingo. Who sponsored that again? I don't remember. Like you've got to make sure it's the example I've done in the past of it's a tide commercial, Super Bowl commercial. It wasn't, Oh, that was a brilliant commercial for a cleaning product. I can't remember what it was. They owned all commercials. Now, anytime I see a commercial and somebody has a clean shirt on, I think, wait, is this a tide commercial? Now they own just like clean clothes in commercials mentally. If you can own, um, you know, anytime somebody sees magic, they think of the micro event they did with you and they think of your company's brand. I, I would say then, uh, you know, trivia night's a great one. We've started doing this in our email campaigns. We're putting little trivia things into the emails just as mm -hmm. a point of interest. If you do a trivia micro event and then all of your email campaigns have these little Snapple st style trivia things in them. Now, all of a sudden mentally you can try to own trivia for that audience. And every time they hear or think or see trivia, they think of you. Um, and I guess that would be a way to kind of amplify the effect of, of these kind of micro events. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that one of the really interesting things that will happen is um, how do these, I mean, virtual is here to stay, physical is coming back. Where do we all live with hybrid? I mean, hybrid is the most interesting element to me of where we're going to be, where people, how are you really connecting people from all over the world into the, these events where, um, and, and that's really, we're on the front lines of that and really excited to see how this goes. And I'd love to hear from some people in your audience too, of what they're seeing, because we're, we're in brand new space, which is super exciting. I want to see how you work out a virtual murder mystery party. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you how it concepts happens. in here are, are pretty interesting. I saw escape room and it was like, oh, okay. It's a virtual, like you're escaping from a digital room. It's not like we've locked you into your garage now. Good luck getting out. <laughs> so the escape room, there's actually two different ways to do it. One, they have virtual escape rooms, but then you have one where, and this is where a lot of team building comes into place. You as the participants, and usually we recommend six to eight people have to direct an individual that is in the room. So they can only listen to one person. So it's not oh, like when the six of you are in the room and you can kind of go off and do your own thing. That person can only take directions from one person. So it forces a tremendous amount of teamwork. The, wow. Uh, so one the, person actually goes to an escape room place and well, the other so an people employee, are remotely, right. Well, it's an employee of the escape room. They're the ones that you're directing. And so wow. They're taking direction from you virtually, which is really intriguing. That is a and really the, interesting way to get escape rooms where you have multiple people crammed into a small space, probably not a good idea during COVID into yes. a virtual setting. Um, I would say if they can get one of the actual employees, not of the escape room, but of the company doing it in there, it would have work even better. Um, I agree. I, mean, like that. I, I think that that will be the, the hybrid option where the beauty is all of these hosts have already invested in virtual technology. And so now we're just saying, how do we bring people back and incorporate what we've already invested in? Yeah. And, um, you really have to, if you do that, make sure the person who's actually in the escape room is liked by the rest of the office. <laughs>
or not, that could be a way to just let things work themselves out. That's how you find out if people like you. You'll be the one that goes to the escape room. You, I guess you can, yeah. I mean, you can put the person that you don't like in the murder mystery. Yeah. <laughs> put the boss in there and he finds out if everybody likes him. Everybody's just like, go F yourself. Why don't you look under the bed, jerk? <laughs> yep, basically. <laughs> so your platform obviously handles this stuff. Um, yes. What about, is there any other... Uh, technology that integrates with it. Zoom, we've mentioned, obviously, there's other, there is other remote um, platforms other than Zoom. There's all those. Are there any other uh, MarTech style things that that integrate that help people get the most out of this kind of? Event? Well, I think where we're going, and, and this is, everybody has somewhat unique integrations, is how do we get all this information back into their their systems, the CRMs of the world, the HubSpots, the Salesforce's. So if, if this client went to this event, you can then see that across the entire organization. And so that's that's the next phase of what we're working on where it's fully integrated into the systems that you're using already. So it's pushing the information from your events into their CRM kind of into their Salesforce yeah, like or who, whatever. Who was invited, who came, did they like the event? Right. Now now the salesperson, when they go make that next call, they can see all that information. Excellent. Um, anything we haven't touched here? I feel like we ran through that pretty good. We're coming up on the end of uh, the end of our little uh, super micro event here. <laughs> I think we touched on a lot. I think that the only thing that I mean, I would say is that um, the other way that we work, which we talked much more services, if anybody has any questions, they can always reach out. We have a concierge service that's free. Call us, talk to us, and, and we can help based on the goals of what you're I mean, I think when you start doing something like this, it's overwhelming to say, what are my clients really going to like? And that's where we can step in and say, hey, this is what's worked for similar companies like yours to really improve the engagement levels of your events. Um, mm -hmm. And the other piece too, is it's not just kind of these smaller events. The other big ask that we're getting asked of is like, how do we augment bigger shows where if you're putting on a bigger exhibit or a bigger, bigger trade show, but then you want to have all these smaller breakouts, you then have to manually go figure out all those little breakouts where in reality you can use something like this to help you facilitate oh. a lot of those. So if you've got a large virtual event, you could have an, a time when you have 10 different rooms, you've got your comedian, your drag queen, bingo, your all these other yep. things that, and people select ahead of time what they want to go into, I guess, if it's going to be, we got to ship you some wine and sushi type thing. Yep, exactly. So we did, um, I mean, the first one we actually did was for Thrasio, which is, I think they were the fastest company to reach a billion dollar valuation. We did their holiday party where we did improv, which you had brought up. Uh, we did a, a pottery making class and we did a dumpling making class um, or, or event. And so all the employees got to choose which one they wanted to go to. We routed all the shipments to where they needed to go. We had the, the Thrasio invites branded. So it was all Thrasio. And so we can do that. And we've done that. The other thing that we've done is we've really tried to we've been used to augment um, some of the larger expos for content where they're, they're, where we've done, say, we have a lot of wellness programs where it's yoga for people who work at their desks, where you're really just breaking up kind of one hour, you have a presentation, then you do 15 minutes of basically moving around with yoga, and then you go into the next hour. So that's a way to really re-engage people so they're not kind of just feeling like they're alone behind their computer. Um, and so we've done that relatively successfully um, for, for at least six or seven different uh, expos at this point. That's great. So you're taking a, a macro event and you're having these multiple micro breakouts. Yep. So I guess all together, they would also be a, a macro um, <laughs> a, event simultaneously, many different micro events to, uh, to attend yep. in a more personalized way to many people at a larger event. Yes. That's and, uh, and that's and that's where I think that's where the world's going. I mean, you're seeing everybody trying to create that connection on a personalized level. Um, you're seeing it in commerce software. You're seeing it in events. You're seeing it kind of everywhere. And that's as a marketer, that's the challenge of how do you do that in a, in a scalable way without having to do every single one of these things individually. And I would something you said earlier. I want to go back to it, uh, but because I feel like it's so important, the selection of the type of event to do is seems like the first step in success or failure. Like if you like wine or sushi, don't just pick wine or sushi because you like it. Like what's going to resonate with your target audience? What are they going to remember? Yes. What's going to assist in flowing through to revenues? Yes. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's understanding your, the, the client and the goal of the event. I mean, some clients are more conservative and probably I wouldn't recommend some of the different events that we have there. And some are, 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 are more open to different unique things. Uh, I mean, 
there's things that we, I mean, it goes all the way to like, I mean, I mean, a lot of people like um, kind of painting and wine and we have a paint and sip one. Like that's a great one for certain audiences, but others it may not be. And so that's where we're here to help, to help guide, to, to point you in the right direction and where we've seen success in the, in the past. Right. Do you have a favorite, um, just for you, maybe not as a tool to use, but to attend? Um, my favorite one, we have, this is a really unique one, and, and this kind of shows that I've, I've done a lot of these, but um, we have an artist, his name is Tom Morley, and he calls himself a rock star activator. And so he, uh, through Zoom, basically gets everybody on the Zoom call playing homemade instruments for an, an hour and has a killer playlist. And it's really just a really fun and exciting way. You can bring the whole family and everybody's playing music and listening and getting up and dancing around. Um, so Tom actually is the, my, my favorite event that, um, that I've been to. I picture a lot of people playing the bottle and the spoons. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of pots and pans. A lot of pots there. and pans. Nice. Nice. Um, so, I mean, typically we spend a bit more time on you and your company, but we actually kind of already did that throughout the whole episode. So at the end, here, we'll, we'll talk, I mean, we're going to give direct people on where to go and all that kind of stuff to, to find you in a second. But one last thing before then, what are the main things people need to try to avoid with micro events? Like what are the biggest things that could sink an event that could kill it, that could ruin its success? Um, I think the first thing is we talked about this already is understanding your goal and aligning the event to accomplish that goal. If you don't do that from the beginning, you're not going to be successful. I think some of the other tricks of the trade are one other thing that we mentioned as well, which is like making sure that everyone's technolo technological savvy. There's no nothing worse than people not being able to log in and, and, and actually joining the event. And then lastly, the timing of the event is actually really important as well, like understanding where people are and understanding what their commitments are outside of work. One of the benefits of virtual is it no longer has to be this thing that happens at seven o'clock at night. If you do it at 4.30 or five o'clock, all of a sudden people can enjoy the event and then still have dinner with their families, which for a lot of people, that's a big benefit. Um, and so really understanding your audience and understanding the right time to do that. Obviously you don't want to do a drinking event at 10 a.m. or maybe you do, it's personal preference for that. Depends on the type of business, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that we deal with a lot and, and we help people with is time zones. Um, dealing with people that are all over the world and how do you engage people in certain ways or, or making the events more inclusive. Like I think everybody naturally gravitates towards alcohol when it comes to kind of sales and marketing, but that's not always the most inclusive. And so we can help there as well of, of understanding and sending out and, and trying to gather some of that information of would people like this or would they not like this? Um, that's something that we've done uh, numerous times, but I think that trying to align the goal with the event and, and taking in those other considerations, right. if you do that, you'll have a really successful event. I think people, sales and marketing think that alcohol will kind of lubricate the decision-making process, but when you're doing it virtually, it's lubricating whatever their next decision is at home, not your <laughs> buying process. By the time you get around to the follow-up and stuff like that, guess what? They're hopefully not drunk anymore. Uh, so again, the, I mean, the goal is to really try to create that unique relationship with that individual because that will improve your success in, in right. whatever you're trying to, to sell or whatever your goal is. And I think that there's a lot of different ways to do that. So I'd imagine if you're selling like a premium coffee um, to businesses, high performance coffee, then something like that's, you know, branded as kind of like this is a badass coffee an ax throwing event would be good. And I don't know, something like modern tie dye maybe wouldn't really fit with your, with yeah. your brand and, and our audience. And that's where we'd rely on the company to say, Hey, this is who our audience is. And, and these are some of the things that we're thinking about. And then we can, we can easily help. Um, the beauty is we have over 130 experiences right now. We'll have over 500 by the end of the year. So there's a lot to pick from and a lot of uniqueness. It, it dawns on me here at the end that, it's kind of awesome that what you've created is a marketplace. I mean, the individual people that are pulling these events off, you guys aren't a wine company that's doing wine tasting as events. You're an event company. You're pulling all these people in. You're pulling in an archaeologist. You're pulling in people, wine companies, murder mystery party companies, and you're giving them a marketplace. And I love marketplaces. So it just occurred to me, you created this marketplace where comedians can go and have work remotely um you know all these different 
people can come in and be the product and you guys are facilitating it. That's awesome. You found out my secret. We are a marketplace <laughs> platform to do this. This is actually the third marketplace company that I've, I've, I've worked for or, or done. So this is what we did at Gromit. It was focused on unique and innovative products, not necessarily experiences. And it was consumer focused. At my last company, Scout, we were a recruiting marketplace trying to help companies hire more effectively. Um, and now um, we're, we're doing experiences, which frankly has is, is been the most fun. I mean, getting to do these experiences and, and seeing all the creativity and helping people connect in different ways has been amazing. I, I can see you've done two companies and you're like, okay, now what, how can we do the same thing, but fun? <laughs> Cause I, well, I get the benefit of learning on other people's dime and now we're, yeah. we're doing everything right this yeah. time around. Like hiring, I like solving the problems, but let's solve a problem that's also fun and create a fun marketplace. <laughs> that's um, that's awesome. And uh, I would say you're one of my favorite new people because I love marketplaces like this. I love that you're creating, you know, you can have 50 comedians probably all come and join your platform and it's going to make them better. It's going to get better experiences. Everybody benefits from a quality marketplace. So. Yep. I don't know about the other marketplaces you created. I'm sure they also create awesome benefits for everybody, but this one looks fantastic. So thank you for creating this. And uh, let's jump to the part where we talk a little bit more about Reelevate in that um, reelevate.com. People can go and find you. Where yeah. else should we be sending people to find you and to find Reelevate? Um, I mean, if they want to find me, I mean, my email is just John, J-O-N at reelevate.com. I'd love to. Um to talk to anybody and everybody and feedback and what they're seeing on the front lines with hybrid events and, and physical coming back. And um, otherwise uh, always can go to reelevate. Um, we have a chat feature right there where they can reach out and um, yeah. I mean, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and the normal social posts as well, but you can also subscribe to our email list and we'll update you with all the new experiences that are coming on board. Awesome. And I would say we've had a handful of episodes where, during the episode, I'm looking at the website and then I'm just like, I encourage people to go look at the website because it's almost like a rabbit hole you want to go down to see, oh, that's a cool one. Oh, stories of the Irish countryside tour. Oh, that's interesting. And you just see all these things. And I almost feel like I wish when I was younger a site and thinking like, what am I going to do going on a date? Like, what can I do that's fun? Like, these things are basically like business date ideas where you're just like, oh, I don't just have to have something lame and boring. Here's all these just custom-made business date ideas, also known as marketing, um, that I can invite people to go uh, go just look at and browse through and all the ideas you would have never thought of sangria and secrets as, a, as an event. Um, yeah, street art tour in Delhi. Um, awesome stuff. And then again, there are companies and people out there putting these offerings together. And that marketplace aspect is also... Um, incredibly awesome i mean this one's called the lip print party i imagine this is a party where they just teach you how to make that lipstick print on paper that's exactly right i haven't gotten to uh test that <laughs> one yet myself but that one i've heard is, is is great um lex on our team is the one that validated that event it she, sounds she fun time. and when you're talking about branding now every time you send them something you can send them the lip imprint and it's not <laughs> overtly sexual because you're referencing this event that uh now they're able to uh, put their stamp on all of their letters with their own uh lip fingerprint <laughs> yeah and i think that the other thing that we're seeing too it doesn't always have to be at night like we have a lot of i mean you mentioned coffee we have a few different coffee tasting events which is perfect for the morning um and and there's other ones as well i mean you mentioned some of the travel ones which are great as well i mean those are really entertaining you those were talking before the show, one. talk about coffee a little bit. And I want to yep. jump to that real quick to say, you've got to add instant coffee to the coffee tasting party. <laughs> People got to try it. You'll be surprised. You have to be my host then. You, you can create that <laughs> tasting. The um, instant coffee. It'll be the cheapest one. You're like, oh, we have to send them a little Ziploc bag of these instant crystals and tell them to add hot water. <laughs> one of my favorite ones now that we're reopening, and this is our first foray into physical, is we actually have a few scavenger hunts that... Um, the host is virtual, but the people are actually together and, and, and they can do it in all of the major cities. And so that's really interesting as well. So that, that, that's a scavenger hunt that we just launched more, more recently. And a little thing for the listeners, like, so let's say you don't actually want to, you know, 
earmuffs real quick here, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> let's say you don't want to use Reelevate. You don't want to spend any money or anything like that. Go on their site and you just get ideas from looking at the types of events they're doing where you're like, oh yeah, something, this is a good marketing idea. That's a good marketing idea. Like, even if you don't do it, I'd say maybe for you, John, that's a slippery slope. Be like, ah, don't come and do any events. Just come and steal ideas from our site and then they'll do it. No, all. it's fine. <laughs> it's our it's our job to make it so much easier to work with us um, that they wouldn't go do it on their own. And that's our goal. Exactly. Yeah. Get them in there um, by saying, just come steal some ideas. And then they'll, they'll be like, you know, what's easier just having them do it. Um. <laughs> exactly. The second you're managing 20 shipments and saying, where's that, where's that number 20? Mm. I don't know where it is. Somebody lost it. That, that's where you're saying, Oh, I, I wish I, I, I let them do this. All right. Now, is there a way I can say uh, who's putting on one of these events? I want to uh, suggest myself to be invited to award-winning tiramisu cooking class. Um, <laughs> you need to have a portal in your marketplace where people can say like, somebody invite me to this. Here's my title. Here's what I do. Now, who wants to invite me to a, an event like this? You could uh, so, reverse engineer the marketplace. So I, not that it's tiramisu, but we do have every couple of weeks, we do have an open event. That's really a kind of a demo. So if people are interested in some of the offerings that we have, um, we do showcases where they can come and join. They can do the event. They can make uh, understand how we work. Um, and so those are done and those are posted on our site. Um, I think the next one, the one we just had was a magician out of New York. Um, and I'd have to go look at what the, the next one is that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Is there a limit on those for people? I mean, imagine your open ones aren't like, this is going to be, you know, no. re rebuild your car engine workshop and we're going to send you an engine. It's got to be kind of a lower value um, product. Well, it's, it's really walking you through, I mean, we're not necessarily always shipping products. So really it's giving you a sense of what the event is, the sense of the unboxing, a sense of how clients would interact with it and you get to participate. So when we did the magician one, everyone in the audience is participating. It's not the full hour. It's, it's, it's boiled down to about 25 minutes in most of those instances. I love uh, drunk yoga. I just saw that one and I, it has something for everyone. It does. <laughs> like, I imagine some people just drink and others just do the yoga and then some <laughs> do the, uh, the mixture and so find themselves getting incredibly flexible halfway through. Okay. I could go on on this forever. This is great. I, I'm just scrolling through the site while we're recording here. I got to, I got to stop it and get back to the show. Um, thank you for coming on, Jonathan. Again, the, the company's re-elevate. Jonathan's the CEO and, uh, and founder over there. They've made this amazing marketplace for micro events and, um, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Check out the show notes. We'll have a link to the site there, but again, reelevate.com. And uh, you want to find Jonathan, uh, you can look on LinkedIn for that. We'll have some, some links on the show notes, uh, maybe open demo event. It's probably pretty easy to find on your site, that one, right? Yeah, I can send you the link to the next one as well, um, depending yeah. on when this this is published but, but yeah, we're going to air on that. the uh on the 29th so we'll try to have a link in the show notes to open demo event otherwise just go check out on the site i'm sure you can uh, i'm sure you can find it there uh, these things are great awesome marketing tool whether it's uh virtual or or uh, in person they're going to be having soon as everybody starts to get back live so check that out and not to just pitch re-elevate it became so easy. It was like lazy of me to be constantly leaning on what your company does, but micro events in general, as marketers, think about those, what you can do to, to create micro events, to really connect with your people. Your sales team will probably love you if you really think these through and not just think I'd like to stretch and get drunk, but what would our target audience like and how can we build brand and, and make ourselves memorable with them? All right. So all that said, uh, again, find the show notes, more information on Jonathan Cornelius on ifumarket.com. And uh, please share the show on social media. Let a friend know all that kind of good stuff and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Jonathan Cornelius of ReElevate, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with micro events, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or are always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. 
we compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.